Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Hello there. Welcome to Think the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hey, guys. I'm Ryan Key. Hey, it's Mike Forrester. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you all and to all a good night. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> See you later, everyone. Adam, you look you look so much more rested than when I saw you on Sunday. It's true. Blessed be the fruit. May the Lord open. <laughs> yes. I have been resting. It's been amazing. I've also been taking antib- antibiotics and any other mes- medicine that's necessary to heal my stupid old crumbling body. Also, I haven't been screaming for the past like 36, 48 something hours, which is great. That does help. Yeah. Oh, and help. your voice already sounds like that because if I screamed one time the way you do, I would not be able to speak <laughs> for six months. Here's the thing, dude. It takes a long time to figure out how to scream. It took me years and then I didn't tour for five, six, seven years, whatever. Completely forgot how, completely wrecked myself. Now that I've relearned, I guess it'll be cool once my bronchitis is gone. But For sure. But see, here's the thing for me is uh, I still have struggled to learn. Uh, there's uh, this. What's the skill I'm looking for? Oh, yeah. How to talk without losing <laughs> oh, my voice. Much right, less right, scream. Right. If I go on tour and someone's like, hey, do you want to go grab a, a glass of wine at this cool tapas wine bar? Yeah, that sounds great. Except if I go, then I'll talk to you there and we'll have to cancel seven shows. So no, I can't go. Right. Dude. That's my life on the road. Yeah. Hey, as much as I appreciated more days off on tour with Yellow Card compared to what mm-hmm. we usually do, which includes like six in a row on the reg, which we had on Never. Ours, Never. It was almost like an overcorrection. For, I mean, it was great for you, but for us, like three shows in, we're like, dude, it's been like a month. What day is it? You know, with like two on, one off, two on, two off. Six, six in a row, uh, your tour canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Not possible. Not possible. Oh. Dan, luckily, is just like absolutely impervious to all sickness. Yeah, he can just pound Jameson right before he plays every night for six shows in a row. And, and then parties too. sound amazing. It's, it's and, quite impressive. And he sleeps 12 hours. I don't get it. And he's got the hardcore neck, dude. His neck's like as wide as his whole head. I don't get because it. Because he's got all that power in there from, you know, screaming hardcore shit for Work 20 years. That. You say he sleeps for 12 hours? Yeah, he sleeps. That boy could sleep. It's like the uh, the scene in Saving Private Ryan where they're like, how does he fall asleep when his head hits the pack? And it's like. I don't know. Just I must, he must have a completely clean conscience. He just <laughs> he lays down That's and it. nothing troubles nothing troubles his yeah. his weary mind at night. He just you know he doesn't have it. He just is like, okay, my day is done. That's it. Off to the next. Well, story of the year certainly sounded fantastic. I would encourage everyone to please go on the second 
leg of the tour, which I had fun. I think I want to go to Detroit. I think the second leg kicks off in Detroit. Do it. And uh, at it. the Majestic, which is a great venue down downtown Detroit. I would like to come. I think I would like to come again. I can probably get you a ticket. I'm going to come. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, and besides that, show was great. Please go check it out. Um, and wow, Star Wars stuff happened. This It was like I was waiting for the strike to end. And then I was waiting for more news. And it was like, yo, Dave Filoni gets promoted. Daisy Ridley seen the script. She's so, she's stoked on the next like. I'm of like, course she is. Let's yeah. go. We're We've back. already talked about this. We're back. Uh, can I just say before we dive into this, uh, m- my child is due any moment. And I'm like still downloading apps and putting devices onto the Wi-Fi like today, you know. So that said, I wanted to like get in and read all about Dave Filoni's promotion today to be a proper podcast host didn't happen i can't wait for you guys to tell me all about it yeah i can't you, wait you need you really just need to to get the thing that watches the baby and then you need the white noise machine and that's got them both it. they were yeah, ready to that's, go that's but all you my, need, dude. I, I i am very excited for you to share this information about daisy ridley and the script because i have not seen that yet and you guys know Ooh. how pumped i am on Stephen knight writing writing this film and how i have a theory that it's going to be the, the greatest thing since i since what i since I before yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since the other yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> I'm very excited. So yeah, t- tell me all about it. Let's go. Well, before we do that, let's keep the people in suspense because we have some uh, some poll results to reveal. Oh yes. Because we did an episode what seems like a year ago now. You know, with the the, the tour time traveling problem. Uh, it was was it ninety one ninety five our last one official one. We yeah we skipped a week and then we did a rebroadcast. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one ninety five. So. Um, we did an episode about an episode where we, we pitched our own Star Wars stories, whether it was a series, a feature film, or a trilogy, whatever. And the results are a little surprising. Really? To me. I don't okay. know. They may be surprising to others. They may be absolutely not at all a surprise. Okay. But results may vary. A little recap on what we pitched. I won't get into any, de- any details at all, but... Uh, Ryan pitched something called Star Wars Scavengers, which kind of uh, brings to screen uh, a story told in novel form about uh, Ray's parents. Mm. Nick pitched something called Hounds of Hati. Uh, sorry, Ryan's was a feature film. Nick pitched something called Hounds of Hati. No, no, no my, mine was a series. Okay, got I, it, got I, it. I, When we were first talking about it, it was sort of like film only, and I was like, got it. We, and we bended, we, we bent the rules. Bended the, the, those rules. Bended, bended the, bended the. Uh, Nick had a feature film idea idea called Hounds of Hati, which um, followed Shin Hati from Ahsoka in a in the same general time period, but several years later. We're talking like t- 10, 20, 30, something like that, maybe? Mm. Or was it after Ray's thing, maybe? Point being, um, it centers around some new Mandalorian clans, right? And some dark side stuff. That's pretty cool. Mike pitched something called Zeta Squadron, which would be a film centering around Carson Teva and other X-Wing pilots. Uh, I don't know. What to me felt like something that will fill the void in our hearts left by the potential uh, cancellation of Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, what's her name, film? Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins film. Mm-hmm. And then I pitched in the vaguest of terms, but way over my time limit, Untitled Jedi Origin Story. Which was very, I was very curious. I was very curious. It was a very, it had me tickled. It had you making that face. Mm-hmm. I left a lot of details out because there's still this ridiculous, stupid pipe dream 
way in the back of my head that, that doesn't want to let the, the details out just in case I could get it into the right hands. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. Crazier things have happened. So I can respect that. I really can. So um, I put some Patreon comments here in the note. Oh, there's a note, by the way, guys. It's in the usual folder. Ah, nice. If uh, you guys want to jump in, I'll read some. Sick. Can't wait for you to tell me about it. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll read a couple of Mike, if you can keep up, or uh, if you can catch up and then yeah. read a couple more once you yeah, get to document, that. that'd be sick. I could do that. Physics buddy Joe, who I met on tour, he came to a show, did um, the VIP thing prior to the show. Thanks. Good to see you, bud. He said, I would watch all four of these, all caps, all four of these movies slash shows. Ryan's would be somewhat of an adaptation expansion of Shadows of the Sith, which would be rad, all caps. Nick's, I hope, will be explored in Ahsoka season two mm. and three and four, maybe. He's hoping. And the Filoni movie. Mike's would be a rootin' tootin' fun time. <laughs> but Adam's is my winner, though. Ah. Because of the lore and the history, I think it could happen alongside the upcoming uh, Mangold Dawn of the Jedi movie. The Force doesn't have to originate from a single source. Plus, we know there are multiple galaxies now. Thanks, physics buddy Joe. Look at him gloating already, Mike. Yeah, right? Uh, I know. I'm like, come on, man. See it on him? Would you see the results, man? Would you see the results? Here we go. Logan Foy said, let's be honest. I think we all want each of these to be made. Hey. Yeah, I agree. Okay. We appreciate all the comments. Everyone was like, do them all. Do them all. Agreed. It's incredibly Swiss of him to say that. (laughs) He said, I think they were all well done, but if I had to vote, I'm going for Ryan's scavengers. Yeah. Just as Clone Wars did for the prequels era, this is the sequel content we need. That's what I'm thinking. That was my motivation. I want to bring the family together around the sequel table to agree. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Agreed. Take your hands off your phone or your keyboard for a minute and respect the work everyone put in on those films. Take computers out of your ears. That's right. The Geeky Beast said, Nyx is definitely my favorite because it has everything I love about the new Star Wars. Mm. My only critique is the name. Hounds of Adi. Yeah. Giving away that the hounds are following Shin from the title would take away from an oh wow moment when it's revealed that she's pulling the strings. I would like for that part to at least be a surprise. So we we got to workshop that one. Yeah. We got to workshop. Just workshop the title. Just yeah. workshop the title. Let's try it out. Yeah, it's working title. Yeah, I like it. Blue Harvest. Green Trooper 501 said, F yeah, so I don't have to edit. Carson Teva, exclamation mark. The bloke's a certified G. So I'm fully on Mike's side with this one. And mm-hmm. just the thought of seeing a tie defender... Tearing it up with a fang fighter gives me goosebumps. Just give us that Top Gun Star Wars. Yeah. Poe and the Poe reveal at the end. That was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah that was crispy. Super dope. Okay, so. All right, results. Let's get those numbers. This is, it's interesting. Okay, last place. 16% of the vote. That would be my Untitled Jedi origin story. What? It, it's, it, okay, listen. I I think it's because, not because it's the weakest one, it's because you are, like, not willing, understandably so, to reveal, like, the real thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you pitched it to me in a hotel room, post whatever that was, celebration or wherever we were, granted, we had had a few death sticks before <laughs> that conversation, but it right. was like, m- my mind was blown when you really told me the whole thing with, like, names and origins and family tie the whole it was it was intense but no way you fit that into what was our time limit five minutes and i think i did about eight eight yeah yeah. and you you already went to like 18 or something right and still didn't give anything away so it's i had actually left the pot by the time i finished i I had signed up i was like i get why you're not revealing it all but i will say that you might have gotten a different result if you had like 
given the same pitch that you gave me because it was like, whoa, dude. Hey, I don't want to be too on my own nuts, but I, I agree. <laughs> I left out a lot and I, I, I put in a lot of filler and I'm, I'm going to keep it that way because it's never too late. I'm now aware of some more connections that make this less of a pipe dream than it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, oh boy. Keep now the dream alive. Not the whole thing. You are definitely on your own Maluras. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was number four. Number three. Third place, 20% of the vote. Ryan's Star Wars scavengers. Okay, all right. Oh, dude, I'm never going to win anything on this freaking show. <laughs> hey, here's the thing, though. At oh. 27%, not too huge of a margin. Mm. Second place runner-up, Nick's Hounds of Hati. Coming in first. Coming in first with 36% of the vote, Mike Forrester's Zeta Squadron. Wow, <laughs> dude, 36 is, that's high. Yeah. I'm as high. And I, I'm telling you, it's, it was the, it was that, it was the extra thought you put into it to go at the very end a young pilot and it was poe so yeah, you yeah. pulled off the sequel thing that i was trying to pull off and you just did it better you know uh as our resident uh creator here i'll probably just make <laughs> myself my own trophy and that's fine <laughs> yeah um but no i i think like the the overwhelming comments as i'm here in our discord uh from our patreon like everyone's like so I picked this one, but I really want all four to be made, which yeah. makes me feel really good about the fact that maybe, maybe on Thank the Maker, we have good ideas. And I really like that. We have so many good ideas that we had a thousand subscribers on YouTube, um, <laughs> which has nothing to do with Ryan sending a bunch of people, yellow card fans over and yeah. definitely mm -hmm. all about how good our ideas are for a future Star Wars pitch. So when the man we're talking about next, Dave Filoni watches, he's going to be like, see, I knew I could rely. And we made, we became best friends in the airport lounge in, in this oh, earlier this year. So we have um, never heard this story. Yes. So yes, I just, yes. I'm going to, I'll send them all these ideas and we're good. Okay. That's great. That's great. We'll, we'll be there for the premiere. I hope Dave got a promotion. There's no reason we can't get a few promotions over here as well. I completely agree. Hey everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad all over print button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. So let's talk about it. Dave Filoni, the beloved Dave Filoni, in our eyes for years, heir apparent to George Lucas, right, has actually been, according to an interview uh, Tuesday, yesterday at the time of this recording, promoted to chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. Same job title as Kevin Feige at Marvel. So what we've all been talking about for the past 11 years now, almost. This is big. Yeah, this is big stuff. So... The one of the one of the first questions I that popped to mind with me was what is the hierarchy, you know, from the top at uh, Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy is of course the president. She's been president since 2012 when the Disney acquisition went down. Right. Uh, Luen, Luen Brennan is that how you pronounce her name? 
She's executive vice president and general manager. I don't know what her day-to-day is like. She does have R2 in the back of uh, her headshot. Obviously, she's the right person. This is probably on LinkedIn. This is on LinkedIn. This is on the the official uh, Lucasfilm site. I'm going to add her on LinkedIn. I'm going to see what happens. I I know this name. She's been in a million things we've all read. I just, I don't know what her day-to-day is. So who knows where she sits in the, like the creative hierarchy, what kind of, what her voice is like in those conversations. But the um, executive vice president and uh, live action development and production head is Carrie Beck, whose name we know from lots of stuff. She's been executive producer on a lot of stuff that has uh, kind of shaped Star Wars in the past several years. I don't, I don't think anything about her, her title has changed since this went down, right? That seemed to be the same. I think that was a constant. Like, right. they, they had mentioned like Carrie Beck would still serve in that. Right. Role too. Yeah. And then Dave Filoni is executive vice president slash chief creative officer. The way this is laid out, it looks like he's fourth in line in terms of like the, the corporate hierarchy. Right. But the way he's describing his new day to day, it seems, it seems a lot more like the role that George used to play because they're, you know, Lucasfilm has been a company for, you know, since 1978 or whatever. And of course right. George founded it, he owned it, but he wasn't a corporate head any more than he needed to be. It was kind of like the understanding we all have, you know, he, he was kind of torn between the two things. He was trying to run a studio. It's part of the reason he didn't direct the two original um, Star Wars sequels because he, he was shouldering a bunch of that and he was, you know, was producing other things and he was just trying to, you know, was building teams, doing all this kind of shit, but he tried to stay as much in story as he could, right. you know? Um, so it, it doesn't seem like Dave's role is too far from that. Mike, mm-hmm. is that your read as well? I think like when you when you <clears throat> look at the hierarchy, and I, I know some people either work for at this point, some people can work for themselves, or they work their uh, uh, after COVID. I think really like the expansion of people working in all these different structures uh, has really expanded. But for someone like Dave, and we have been a podcast that has long gone to bat for um, not putting someone like Dave Filoni as, uh, per the usual idiots, uh, internet recommendation of making him the president, uh, which of course everyone wants to sit through financial meetings. If you're a very creative person like Dave Filoni and so yeah, Q1, we're projecting, uh, our animated film that has nothing to do with star Wars is uh, tracking really well in China. Um, so there's a lot of things that I think are really important about this and mainly, uh, Filoni's interview with, I think it was Vanity Fair, um, really said his big thing was that I'm not telling people what to do, which of course is a big relief for a lot of people who are either fans of Star Wars, um, I'm sorry, of Andor that like the more mature storytelling, or maybe they didn't necessarily like love, um, uh, Ahsoka or whatever it was that, that Star Wars is still very much in the, in the vein of like, we're going to make Star Wars for a lot of different people. Uh, but what he did say was, I really what I wanted to do is see if I could give people information to make their, their story fit into the universe. Right. And I think we could really see that in the tone of, um, it's, it would be hard for me to, to, uh, picture a Gungan in Andor. It would be hard for me to picture a Rancor in, in Andor. Right. Um, and simultaneously at this, uh, simultaneously having, dialogue as heavy as Andor fitting in Book of Boba Fett would also be kind of odd for people who were expecting uh, ship go fast and blow stuff up. So I think in some ways, uh, this is exactly where Dave needs to be. I actually assume that he was already in this role, but I think to get this official promotion and have him then now serve as actually the executive looking over 
all of these productions, which Acolyte will be very interesting to see what comes of that. Um, and then also just being able to bring more High Republic into the fold, which I think is is where we're going to go. And then obviously overseeing the next four movies we have, right? Because I'm sure part of it, tonally, uh, Acolyte is going to feel way different than Skeleton Crew. Um, and or season two is going to feel way different. So I think at some point they probably were like, let's not make seven different tracks for Star Wars fans. Let's see if we can smooth it all into the same pipeline, which honestly I think they needed. And that this this is incredibly encouraging. You think he's just going to the three people above him to ask for money? Like he's he's the one that now says these are the projects we need to make, they will still get to say, yeah, but we're not going to pay for that, right? I mean, like, you, you would guess he's he's going to bat for the stories, yeah. Right. As opposed to, I don't know who was going to bat for all the stories before, but whether, you know, I mean, I think, aren't, aren't we aware that, like, there was sort of a conscious choice to keep him not in, or to have him not be involved in live action, which led to, you know, the sequels going the way they went and having him not be involved in them, whereas, like, in hindsight, I think we all... Whether you love or hate the sequels, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But I think we could collectively agree it would have been interesting to see what Dave Filoni as, you know, create executive creative director of the whole entire franchise would have done in the role of, you know, or in that role at the time of the sequels writing and production, right? So like, is he now the person that was deciding to keep him out of live action? Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. Like what buck stops with him? And then I think, above him i think every buck stops with him now except for the actual the the, the buck that is like the dollar because he has right. to go get yeah. that money approved you know well let me let me read a couple quotes here from him one i will say that i would assume the sequels would have been different because it's one thing to have like a committee have a board have a whole bunch of cooks in the kitchen telling somebody like jj abrams yes we can do this no we can't it's another thing to have a dude like Dave Filoni who... Standing there going, I am not a committee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so someone who's a fan who studied directly under George Lucas to like level with him in the way that he probably levels with John Favreau, you know, and they go back and forth and they have these debates and they both talk about it all the time. I, I, I could see that having gone differently and maybe solutions to certain things um, that I read about that aren't worth talking about here would have maybe had more creatively satisfying decisions made like more creatively fulfilling um routes taken to avoid blowing something up story-wise i don't know that's all i'll say about that uh but back to these quotes from dave he said in the past a lot of projects i would be brought into i would see it after it had already developed a good ways in this new role it's opened up to basically everything that's going on when we're planning the future of what we're doing now i'm involved at the inception phase Mm, I love that. So a lot like Feige. Right. He also said, I'm not telling people what to do, but I do feel I'm trying to help them tell the best story they want to tell. I need to be a help across the galaxy here, like part of a Jedi council almost. Love you too, Dave. Smart. That, that, just, that shit just makes me smile. Anyone who's watching is seeing a smile right now. Because he's not, he's not using corporate speak. He's talking the way he talks. He loves Star Wars. And it's just like, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy. He said, to truly help filmmakers, it was really important for me to experience it firsthand. I can also lend to a perspective on the challenges that telling these stories will present. I feel more capable of actually being helpful outside of just saying, well, Jedi are like this, Sith are like this, and so on. So 
it seems like he was always available ish from, from reading this, you know, if somebody wanted to clarify something, he's that person, but he wasn't in a position to, to really steer the ship, even if it wasn't a giving orders thing. Or, or, or step in to say, you know, have you considered this? Right. Or consider this, right? Right. So, do you think that there's like a main line now back to Lucas as well? Meaning like he always could ha- sit down and consult with George. They, they, have, they have a relationship, I, w- I would think, unlike any other pair in this hierarchy, as, mm-hmm. as you put it, right? Like I don't think Kathleen and George are sitting down to debate the inner workings of the world between worlds and how right. it relates to you George, know, I've got to go to this meeting, man. I can't, yeah, I, can't yeah, answer so your, like, I can't answer your absolutely, call. Right absolutely. Absolutely. So, so now you have him in this role where he he is the overlord from the inception of every single story. Like George isn't just like on a beach with his feet up now. He's mm-hmm. still, you know what I mean? Like this is he's still he is. He's been around and he's been on set. He was there throughout the entire process of making Ahsoka and all this other all the other things. Mandalorian, we've seen him on set. Like now, you've got Filoni, you know his 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 protege, if that's the right word, his Padawan, who has now been granted the rank of master mm-hmm. on the council that can go to him and be like, "Hey, there we have this story. I'm really excited about it." How does this fit into your in and you get you get to tap into the maker in a way that post maker selling, you know, the moisture farm, we haven't had we haven't had a way for him to really I, you know what I mean? Like put yeah. his yeah. um put his his hand on things in such a direct way, an impactful way, maybe is, is the way. Like he's sure. had influence on Dave, who has taken that influence and done the best he could with it in his role. But if he's really the overlord now of, of all creative decisions, I would think you're getting a direct influence and um, you know direct advice and and um, direction from the man himself because they're buds. I, well, I, I would say that whatever influence, whatever mentorship George has imparted into Dave's projects now just extends to everything. Like that's that's the simplest way to say it. You know, like. It, I don't. I don't think that Dave sits around and wonders constantly what would George do. I'm sure he wonders. No, I. I don't either. He wants it to be his own thing, for right? Sure. Yeah, I'm sure he wonders what what stays within the confines of of the mythology that George built. I. I guess, like I'm saying but, before, up until now, it's been, hey, if he's having a conversation with Lucas, it's been like, hey, here's the projects I've I've been given mm-hmm. that have been greenlit, and I'm now. You know, as you said, now I'm involved. They're already scripts are in development. It's all all happening now. It's like, hey, George, this is just starting, and I just want to bounce this idea off of you. Mm-hmm. And you might get this little kernel of of an idea from him at the inception of a project now that really gives you that uh, that original f- Star Wars mythology, as you put it, that the themes that inspired him to create this in the first place forty years ago you might get a little thing, a little nugget that he's like, what if you, what, before you get down that path too far, what if you think about this? And in, in some of these other projects, it seems like they were already so far down the road. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That George was sort of coming in as an observer almost. Like he would stop by the set and they'd be like, don't you think this is cool? You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. now 
you might get some more opportunity for him to be like, if, if needed, to be like, well, just consider this. Yeah. Or I have this in a notebook. Yeah. What do you, you know, this character I never used. Well, he did Something jump like in or, or come to J.J. Abrams' aid at the end of, of the trilogy with the ending because J.J. was struggling and he reached out to George and got a little mm-hmm. help on the ending. But like you're saying, it's, it's, it's at the end, not at the, at the beginning. So Yes, and I'm sure yeah. George would have been like, why didn't you call me two years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I would have told you how to do this whole thing, you know? So I, I think it's exciting. It's the long-winded you know, the short-winded version of everything I just said. It's exciting that he might be able to uh, offer some thoughts and and ideas that could be buried in a notebook somewhere for some projects we don't even know uh, that, or don't exist yet. Well, the thing that hasn't been talked about publicly, because again, this is day-old news for us right now, is where the Lucasfilm Story Group fits in, or Story Team as they're credited on screen, uh, known internally as Story Group. That still exists, as far as I can tell, I did a bunch of research. Pablo Hidalgo seems to still be involved in it, despite some rumblings a couple years ago about some, you know, stuff that went down. And a bunch of veterans in there, a bunch of names that we all know. We could ask someone directly. I would rather not say that out loud or discuss that here. But I, You want to call him right now? Um. <laughs> but it, it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, because the story group has, has been, you know, the filter for a lot of things or like the, like the home base for all of the different types of Star Wars stories, whether it's like novels, comics, parks, you know, on-screen stuff, whatever. But now with Dave at the head, is he just, is that team supporting him or is he using that team as a resource? Is the team using him as more of a resource? You know, like what, what's the flow of information and like what, who, where does the buck stop? You, you know? offered a quote a little, a few moments ago about, I'm not telling anyone how to do their job. I'm just helping them tell the best stories they can. Um, and so I think just based on that, I, I, I would interpret that as things are staying in place the way they are. You know, like we, we have this great team of people that now I can have more um, influence on, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can, I can make decisions that maybe Kathleen Kennedy was, or, or, whoever else was making um, before to say, no, we're not going to do that, you know, or yes, we're going to do that. Now Dave can and say that directly to story group. And I think that's probably a good thing because I would think that story group type people look at a Dave Filoni in a very different way than they do at a film studio executive, you know? Yeah. And that relationship will be more of a two way street, you know? Yeah. We're doing a lot of speculating. Like we know, we, we know some things from research and having insight into certain things, but we don't ultimately know shit. So we're doing a lot of speculating here, but we're trying to make sense of this like everybody else and trying to impart as much uh, research knowledge into it as possible. Well, for and for people too, again, it's like <clears throat> the amount of people, of course, it immediately goes to this like weird misunderstanding of how our corporate structure works of people are like, yes. Finally, they listen to the fans as if like, <laughs> but you know, I'm just like reading like, comments, as if he's like, cutting the checks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like how dumb do you have to be? And then to publicly say it too. I'm like, God, like I would hate, I would hate to out myself as an idiot. Like yeah. tons of my friends already know I'm an idiot, but like to publicly out myself like that, like please. Um, the really, the, the process of really appreciating what Dave who Dave is in a, in a, as a thinker. And he, he's no slouch either in regards to, he's written some 
of probably some of the strongest Clone Wars episodes we've seen. And and I think his um, his episodes. I know that of course, in a <clears throat> from some of my friends who are outside of the hardcore uh, Star Wars fan base, they definitely have felt like I. They're like, I know there was supposed to be something more important here, but I didn't consume all Star Wars media, so I felt like I don't see where the Filoni, like why Filoni stuff feels so much more weighted than non-Filoni stuff. And I can understand that because Dave likes to lean on familiar beats that mm-hmm. are, for us, um, absolute treats to be able to in, you know interact with and, and appreciate. Um, but I can certainly see at some point that People who would be looking at, uh, for my friends who aren't, again, totally backed up with, I've, I've read all the books, I've read the tie-ins, blah, 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 and they just watched Andor that Filoni had nothing nothing to do with, mm-hmm. and they said, well, as an adult, I loved Andor mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was an adult story. So the idea of making something more Filoni, uh, which if you didn't like Ahsoka, didn't love Ahsoka or were confused by Ahsoka... And you've only seen his executive producer title on The Mandalorian, which, you know, then is also tied with Jon Favreau. Um, I can understand why people are going, is this more of a big deal than it needs to be? Or why is everyone so excited about this when some of the, you know, Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie and Andor is my favorite because we're adults, right? But for me, I look at it and I go, Filoni still understands that the next generation of fans is younger, not mm-hmm, older, mm-hmm. right? And we always have to remind ourselves that here we are, a bunch of you know late 30s, 40-ish year old men talking about Star Wars, which is something that we fell in love with when we were kids. And that we have to remember that the reason that this this franchise has gone on for 50 years with an incredible fan base that remains dedicated that no other franchise has done in this long of a span in this with this intensity to get this much more content uh, is looking after and stewarding for the next generation. And I think Dave is that person to remind ourselves of that. Ryan, you're about to have a kid. I have a kid. Dave under Dave understands that joy that it needs to bring, not just this like everything is revenge. We must kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dave Filoni is going to do a better job at providing Star Wars content for my son than Tony Gilroy is. It's just a fact. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, we said and, it here, guys. And I, I and I I think uh, you know I it's a, it's awesome because I think you got to trust. Who knows? I don't know if he's come out in an interview and said it anywhere, uh, but I hope. That Dave Filoni freaking loved Andor because he's our age. And yeah. he was like, yes, this is like badass original. And even cooler that he wasn't involved in it because he got to watch it just and be like, oh, cool. There's some Star Wars content that I was not in the room. I was not on the set. I wasn't. This, I can just watch this and just enjoy it. I, I hope that was his experience, you know. Um, but he, if those projects come across his desk, I mean, look at the Stephen Knight, Daisy Ridley thing, which I hope Mike, tell, you know, get when we can tell me about this whatever you read about Daisy Ridley, but he's got to be pumped on that because it's, that's going to be grown up Star Wars. But, but to your point, yeah, he sees the vision and everyone needs to be okay with having someone like him watching out for kids, dude. Mm -hmm. Like kids are what keep this thing alive and will keep it alive for another half a century. And, and you can't, Tony Gilroy and the Andor team and the Rogue One team are not the guys that you want at the (laughs) helm to keep Star Wars alive for another 50 years. Like, that's not, 
there that nostalgia is going to run its course at at some point you know and and what will be left behind it is i i think in better hands with someone like david yeah and he's also he's also not afraid to get wild with stuff you know another fear you know that i've heard kind of floating around is 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 dave being the kind of dude that really likes to go back to the well and likes to play with the skywalker saga stuff and and just you know, kind of like sh- shuffle those toys kind of a exactly thing, yeah. shuffle those mm-hmm. action figures around but he's also a dude who's been directly involved in some of the most radically different types of star wars stories you know for 15 years now right mortis gods night sisters the bendu wild shit you know so Jaws! He, he apparently wants to open up and expand <laughs> this universe as much as any of us do so that 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 sheer fact combined with the quote about not telling people what to do and not you know, just wanting to help people tell their stories. I think we're in great hands. I, I, I think that this is nothing but positive news. I think we should all be stoked. Um, last thing I'll say is that anyone who is, is like maybe overexcited, like we've mentioned, you know, you know, that it's, it's now completely back in the hands of the uh, fans and whatever. And they think that you know, before it was just all, all, all corporate shit and, you know, whatever. Doc Brown just found us the flux capacitor and it's right. 1977. No, man, it's starting just, over. Like th- there's always been a corporate balance, you know, the balance of, um, running a business and creative people trying to be creative. Just a little FYI again, since the beginning, since back in 77, 78, when George built this thing, there've been five presidents. Okay. There's been like a president. All along, there have been some short interims where someone was acting COO or something, but there's always been a corporate structure. It was much smaller back in the day. And even 10 years ago, when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, there was only about half as many people in the, the executive team as there are now. But there's, it's always been a company that's always needed to make decisions, make intelligent decisions that had financial implications, which could then maybe have story implications or creative implications rather. So it's, it's always been there. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I don't, I like none of us know exactly how it goes on on the inside, but we do know that it's not like there was one dude making literally whatever he wanted. Then Disney bought it shit on your whole childhood. And now we're back to one dude who's going to make literally, literally whatever he wants. It's always been a balance. I just think the balance is um, a little bit more evenly weighed maybe now than it was a few years ago when they were trying to like, not only trying to like, figure out what to do post post George, but what to do with a company that's putting out as much content as they had in the prior 20 years, like within essentially a, a snap in the, in the history of this company. Oh, humanity so. is not known for its patience <laughs> yeah. right now. So like to, to expect us to have the patience for them to figure out, to, to keep the company running at the level that a, a multi-billion dollar franchise like Star Wars has to continue to run at, at all times. There's no downtime. You don't go, okay, George Lucas just sold us this for four and a half billion dollars. Let's take 10 years off right. and figure out how to restructure management so we can make the right content. You have to keep going nonstop, pedal to the floor. And we we can't even give them, you know, we, humanity, people, fans, whatever, we can't give them one decade to figure out how to to get it going in the right direction after three plus decades of of you know the the way it existed before the acquisition, like it's it's absurd. It's yeah. absurd for people to not have the patience and understanding that you can't take a four billion dollar company, change hands, 
and have it all just work the way you want it to work. Like, and it please takes literally time. everyone. It's impossible. Yes, it yeah. takes time. And at that time, Dave Filoni, who was uh, a, a Padawan learner, you know, learner underneath George Lucas directly, it, it, that's incredible. But at the time, he was the animated series guy who, you know, you could come to and hit up for any deep backstory, legends, canon, otherwise, whatever. But they, that was all fluid and moving. It wasn't like they sold the whole thing and they were like, there's Dave Filoni. He's the future president of the company. You know, like it's taken this amount of time for him to prove himself and show himself as the the, the right person for the job and, and say, I'm worthy of this job. And then the love him or hate him, corporate suits that make four and a half billion dollar decisions to say, you are the guy. You've done it. You've proven, yeah. you've proven it. You are going to keep this company profitable. They don't care about you and your keyboard, bro. They want to make money. And, and, and to, sorry, sorry to let you down, but for all of your keyboard warrioring over the sequels and everything else that you hate, all they've done is continue to make money. So they're not bothered. They're not good. They're not, they're not worried about what you have to say. And so they're making very important decisions. And I just think it's like, it's amazing that if you really put it in perspective, it's taken, you know, around a quarter of the time that the company has existed. There's three quarters more before the acquisition. And like, we just don't even, you know, we haven't had the patience to let things sort of evolve and, and sort yeah. themselves out with a major have. paradigm shift like that. You know, a major shift in like the landscape of the company. It's a massive company. This isn't like an independent record label that got a new president. This is not a, a food big truck. deal. Yes. I think you guys are giving them too much credit. I've been asking for a Dexter Jetster Black Series for <laughs> at least eight eight years, okay? And that's all I'm asking for. And if we're too busy giving out these billion-dollar movies to people, okay, I'm just asking for the one damn figure, okay? You know why you and can't then, get it? Corporate greed. Right, that's right. <laughs> and you can't get it there. And I'm going to come to YouTube, and I'm going to yell about it. So if you want a Dexter Jetster Black Series like I do, please go ahead and smash that subscribe button. It'll help. Mm -hmm. zero <laughs> way getting this thing fulfilled link to the petition in bio so let's talk about this next thing because it is kind of exciting daisy ridley on board yeah. very excited about this yep, yep. let's go uh, let's go we have a we have a very quick little of course which everyone is going to lose their mind over and say uh you know either if you like daisy ridley you loved it if you didn't like daisy ridley because whatever reason you've come up with that makes you feel better about yourself uh you're going to come up with a reason to think that it's negative see video from uh, the last night on the star cruiser to see how i feel about yeah. that yeah Carry on. yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we said a lot of things about Daisy Ridley for sure, uh, which is all good. Um, so she had a uh, she met up with someone in Collider. She's promoting uh, her new movie, which is called The Marsh King's Daughter, uh, much different from Star Wars. Uh, but mm -hmm. she was talking to one of the reporters and said at the time um, that she was at the last Sundance Film Festival, which Sundance Ryan is in February. Yes. Uh, I wish I knew the answer to that. Okay, I think it is. But anyways, um, so this is before Celebration in London, which she was brought back out. And so there was the rumors, like she posted online, remember that? And she was like, she posted and said, oh, I'm here and I'm having lunch. And it was at the yeah. Lucasfilm office. And of course, mm -hmm. everyone's like, let's go. Um, actually, people we want to hang out with were like, let's go. Other people, mm -hmm. we left them. Uh, but what she had said was uh, this quote, 
Steve, the reporter. She said, I'll tell you, Steve, when I saw you in Park City, I had not been approached. Okay, so now we establish a timeline. I was asked by some, not by you, but I was asked something when I was there, and strangely, people were asking me stuff, and I was like, no, I'm not doing another one. Then it all happened after I came back. It was such a nice reception. I was shitting myself before I went on stage. This sounds like something Daisy Ridley would say. She's she's fantastic. With like uh, but, a nice pronunciation on the T's. Right, shitting yeah, for myself. sure. Yeah, shitting myself. Uh, because no one knew I was going to that, but no one knew I was going to come to Celebration besides Kathleen Kennedy. And there were a very few couple of people. So I was so nervous. Oh my God, it was such a wonderful reception. I'm very excited. Here's the quote. The story is really cool. I'm waiting to read a script because obviously I don't have any other updates. It's not what I expected, but I'm very excited. Then it goes on. She said, so he asked a follow-up question and she says, I know the storyline for one film. That's not to say that's all it is, but that's what I was told about. And I imagine it will be the next film, I think. I mean, again, I don't know post-strikes and everything, how quickly everything will start up again. But yes, so far, I know the story of one film and I think people will be very excited. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a big deal, kind of also not that much information as much as an actor who's very excited to come to Act of Project that's going to make her a shit ton of money. <laughs> but uh, I think the important part for us to look at is that they uh, clearly, she said one film, which makes me think mm -hmm. Dave's now in charge of things. Uh, I don't know. Are we actually possibly looking at a new trilogy? And and he likes to play with his Skywalker action figures. He likes so, to play yes. with those action now, figures. Now for that sure. she's officially a Skywalker, no, he's not playing. He's not playing with the Dexter Jetster action <laughs> figure though. And I've been saying this. So I think the fact that she said it wasn't what she expected. I this is total just like random speculation. I mean, there's no, nothing. Yeah, nothing. But the fact that she said that. I'm going to let that back up my theory of how cool this script is going to be because it's being written by Stephen Knight. I think she went in there and read it and was like, uh, this, you know, Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. She was like, this is when it went, gnarly. This is gnarly. That's what I, I bet her reaction was, this is not what I was expecting because this is intense. This is like heavy, gnarly storytelling. Like that's, I, you know, just so different from what we experienced in, in the sequels and, and, the character she uh, that was written for her in the sequels. No, no. I, I think I think there's going to be so many more layers of the onion that is character peeled back. Uh, well, I think I think like and let's also look at this from this introduction, right? We we have uh, if you were impressionable enough and tr trooping during the the sequel trilogy was a lot of fun because. Um, the Halloween that follows in between when Star Wars movies are out is always amazing because like you can almost see where pop culture is currently being marketed like this year, tons of Mario's. Right. Um, and then when, you know, a couple years ago, everyone was black Panther a couple years ago before that, a ton of rays, little kids dressed up as Ray. And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. Here's even more candy. <laughs> um, but when we were trooping, when we would be trooping uh, the, uh, movie theaters and stuff for the rise of Skywalker. It was so cool to see how many, you know, sub 10 year old, 12 year old kids um, and girls specifically coming in and being like, you know, full scavenger Ray, like that was their princess Leia. And when we think about that force awakens comes out in 2015, right? And it is, it is going to be by the time that movie comes out, probably actually closer to 2025, 
10 years later, if a kid was 12 when The Force Awakens came out, if a kid was 10 when The Force Awakens came out, they are a full-on college kid now. You know what I mean? And so I think the capacity... And they've been hitting the gym and they're ready to fight with sequel haters. Yeah, they definitely... They have like a... They have a double-sided... They're bringing the Swifty culture with them. Like, they're full <laughs> in, man. Like, Dude, this is like... It's... it's it If if my inclination on the kind of script and film that uh, Stephen Knight would be attached to, this is... It's like the opposite effect that the prequels had on uh, on our generation. It's... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, we 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 felt that the prequels. I think at that time we we felt like, wait, this is, uh, you know, this is for kids and we're adults. You're now gonna get kids who were kids going like, oh, sweet, here's all the characters or the character that I know and love from my Star Wars as an adult, and I'm an mm-hmm. adult, and this is yeah. an adult story. It's a it's the total reverse of what we experienced, and I I think that's so so cool, and and yeah. I'm pumped for I'm pumped for all. Yeah, all the the little kids that saw those movies that are going to be young adults seeing this film or films, uh, and 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 connecting on that level of having a more adult experience with this film, I think it's going to be amazing. Well, either that you, or Stephen Knight's a huge fan of Gungans. One of the two. Go ahead. One, yes. oh! Or he he's ready to really put the Darth Darth Jar Jar thing into practice. Well, if you and if you look at too, like when we look at the progression of these other you know, magnitudal amount of, uh, of fandoms that we have out currently doing things. I mean, they're, they are re- the rebooting Harry Potter. Um, we look at the difference weird. of like, it is weird, but you look at like Captain America, the first Avenger, all the way to when we get to Endgame. right? Mm-hmm. There is a huge amount of people that have grown up with Steve Rogers, Captain America, right? And like the corniness of Chris Evans in the first Avenger, Captain America, which is like the second movie after Iron Man, I think, all the way up till we got him in Endgame when he is worthy and holds Molnir and like all this stuff. Like kids are going to be able to see that, see mm-hmm. Ray mm-hmm. with that same level of intensity, maturity, uh, power in some ways. And I'm like so excited for that. Um, to see that because I think too, like they're capable of understanding that, uh, you know, that, that, that they can write her character like that because that character per the timeline has gained that much more wisdom has gained this idea. You know, people are like forgetting that her and Luke had such a similar story of being able to adapt and understand the force without training. Like, so we're cool with Luke doing it, but like, if, right. if, if Daisy Ridley, you know, if, if Ray uh, so figures dumb. out, right. Like, Oh, that's a big deal now. Um, so the, 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 the point though, in this regard, I think that's, that's important is we have this opportunity with coinciding with Dave with enough time that's passed between the sequel trilogy that now Dave gets to bring all of these characters that we're super stoked on for the Mandoverse into figuring out where both of these future projects go. And we have talked, you know, this is basically, you know, this is an older Din Djarin if we want to. This is Ahsoka coming into play with Ray's movie if we want. Um, all of these options are on the table and we have someone who creatively is looking after this narrative that has the ability to be able to now kind of jump between studio projects, which is a huge deal. And that's where I think both these things are colliding. Uh, and so personally, I'm on board for all of this. Uh, I just need that Dexter Jetster Black Series. I really do. I really need that going. So um, I'm, I'm excited for all of it. I think I'm 
<clears throat> I, I have a feeling uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's coming out over the next couple of weeks now that the strike is over. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of Star Wars news. Um, I've also seen that ce- uh, some of the celebration executives uh, were over in Japan about a week ago and they were scoping out and figuring out what they were going to do. Uh, so Star Wars celebration in Japan in 2025 is happening. Um, that would be a cool place for Amash Eisley, just saying. Um yeah, I, I think I think this is all this is awesome. I'm great. I am thankful for Star Wars and the news that we've just gotten, even if it's been a couple morsels. I feel like we're eating pretty good. One hundred percent. Thanks, B. Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks for the giving, George and everyone. Um, uh, we want to talk about Mosh Eisley real quick. Speaking of, uh, and clarify some things. But first, I want to shout out. A dude named Guy who works for Lucasfilm, actually, who is a fan of my band that I met in Australia. Guy named Guy. Nice. He's he's a compositor. He he worked on Ahsoka, and he sent me something overseas over uh, via boat, I assume, maybe airplane. Who knows? He sent me this nice little pin here. This um, you, you won't be able to see that because my autofocus is not on. Ahsoka Industrial Light and Magic VFX Crew 2023. Mm-hmm. Got some pergil flying around um, the star map right there. Sure. Got this hoodie. Look at that. Mm. ILM VFX. We will allow the non-Roosevelt's today Crew because that is amazing. And then this. Oh, on the back. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, show off. Mm. Yep, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, not jealous. I don't even care. I don't even care. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, and the sleeve. Sleeve sick. Like the sleeve. Love the sleeve. <sighs> Dang it. Oh, my gosh. Mike, you got that Roosevelt's on, though. I do. Uh, we got some Roosevelt's Christmas stuff coming. We're stoked about that. We're going to wear that in preparation for Santa's arrival. Ryan's got a full-on pajama set from Heroes and Villains or something. What's that from? No, this. I think this is my my wife got me this. I think it's from Target. But I did just post uh, my really tying the room together. My Heroes and Villains throws, which the pod is is I guess you know starting to talk about working with Heroes and Villains on some more stuff as well. And uh, yeah, they just I I hit them up and I was like, hey, I I I think you guys have these like blankets that I saw on the site, and they were like, we do. And then like two days later, all of them showed up. So sick, stoked. Well, I live much further north than you, and I'm pretty cold. So, <laughs> well, oh, we're yeah, talking to him. Uh, gonna, we we know a guy now. We're gonna make the thing. You happen. know the guy behind the guy, behind yeah. the guy doing it. All right, let's talk Mosh Eisley Orlando really quickly. February third at Sun on the Beach. Is it called Old Town? Is that the neighborhood? Something like that. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Ryan, it's, February third. Is that a Friday or Saturday? Called. What's the venue? Uh, Sun, Sun on, on the Beach. Yeah. Either way, it's the weekend of MegaCon in Orlando. It's going to be Based on Saturday, Adam. Saturday, got yep. it. It's going to be super old, fun. Old Town. Old Town. Tickets are on sale. They are selling rapidly. There's an amusement park called Old Town, which oh. I guess is what this is all sort of centered around. It's not at the amusement park. It's it's between Celebration and Lake Buena Vista, so it's a little bit south of Disney World. Not too far at all. So, like I said, tickets are on sale. They're selling quickly. There are two ticket tiers, but one is already dead. I'll describe it to you regardless. Uh, we got general admission tickets for 30 bucks. VIP tickets, those were 75 before they all went away. All went away. Um, there's an exclusive VIP area and bar. So if you really want that, maybe somebody will, will be offloading tickets because, you know, they came down with bronchitis or something. Uh, but that also includes Cantina Hour access. The other way to get Cantina Hour access is to buy the merch bundle, which is sold separately from tickets. There's no ticket included in the merch bundle. That's straight through our Square site. That comes with Cantina Hour access, so you'll get in early. 
I will be hanging. There'll be some photo op things and, you know, some, um, some non-emo more Star Wars-esque music, you know, actual like cantina music, you know, we'll just be chilling, mm-hmm. hanging out. Uh, that also comes with an exclusive shirt, a poster, a tote bag, a patch, and a sticker. So it's a pretty damn good deal. So all in with the cantina hour and that merch, it's, uh, it's cheaper than um, if you bought those things individually for sure. And we'll get to hang. It's dope. So GA tickets, 30 bucks, and then the merch bundle. What do we settle on the merch bundle? Is it it's 100 bucks? Yeah. With all those things in the cantina hour? I don't know. I made the graphic. I don't remember. Link in bio. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also we do, if you are a, uh, a subscriber to either Princess and Scoundrel, Thank the Maker, uh, the Dano channel, you've got access to that very, very, very limited edition uh, subscriber-only version of the poster, which oh, is very yeah. sick. And it's in the uh, Orlando Football Club colors. So, you know, we're, 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 making, we're making these perks happen, baby. Um, and I think most excitingly for us, uh, is that we got a lot of friends coming to this one. Like, this is going to be real. Yeah, I'm actually going to go. Uh, you had a great time last time. The pictures were great. I did. It was a great time. Very fun. What are you going to wear this Can't time? wait to get my fit. I don't know. Just uh, That's all I'm thinking about. What am I going to wear? Something dark, right? I mean... Dark side of the ass, dude. Maybe not. Maybe you're all... You're going to be all... going to be Ryan the White now that you've got a child. You, there you, you go. Turned over a whole new leaf. True. Yes. More bags under his eyes, though. Um, so we're super excited gonna be, about that. I'm going to be very sleepy by February. Yeah, 3rd. for sure. He's going to take a nap before. <laughs> um, but no, we're 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 grateful uh, for everyone who's uh, supported this project and and what we've done. I mean, for us to be able to uh, fly around the country and go to these conventions and team up with amazing companies like Roosevelt's um, is truly like one of the coolest things that I think about in the last since COVID of, of what we've done. Um, and in a, on Thanksgiving Eve, we're certainly thankful for everyone who has uh, already purchased a ticket and showed enthusiasm for this because it is going to be, I think this is actually the biggest potentially with expansion, the biggest venue that we've ever done. Um, and we're super excited to, we're developing our storyline right now and there's, it's going to be a production heavy story, I think, which is going to be really fun. Uh, so you will get your money's worth and we get to party, dude, we're going to party. It's so good to party and I'm so tired already, but we're (laughs) going to party. It's going to be great. All right. Again, February 3rd, Orlando sun on the beach is the name of the venue link in bio anywhere. There's a bio. That's where the link is. We're sharing it in all our stories and all our personal, personal stuff as well. Patrons, thanks for being here. Thanks for your support. Everyone who's a new YouTube subscriber, thank you so much. We broke a 1,000. 1K, baby. We did it. 1K. You're welcome. So super chats incoming. Thank you, Ryan. Shout out to Yellow Card and Yellow Card's fan base. Whether or not you like <laughs> Star Wars, thanks for helping us cross the threshold. That was awesome. Dudes, I love you. Everybody, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the Force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible.